Well, welcome back. My name is Jonathan Lowe, and this is our podcast called uh, Surviving in the Amazon. I'm with Variety Player, Queen City Appliances. So this uh, segment for our, our listeners and viewers, we want to do a CEO challenge, retail challenge question uh, and answer. And so we're going to jump into a big problem that some of us face in our sales culture is how do you stop people thinking that retail right. is a dead end job? Right. So, um, you know, we talk about that frequently in, in our leadership meetings that, um, you know, it is constantly uh, uh, something we're trying to get across to our salespeople. Uh, they can grow dramatically in a sales role uh, in our company. And then there's management opportunities that come up in, in our industry and, and different levels of uh, merchandising and sales leadership and things like that that are available. But at the end of the day, you know, the sales jobs can be somewhat redundant. And so, you know, it, it is a challenge of our uh, to keep things fresh with the, with the sales force. Um, you know, consumers come into the store every day, salespeople greet them, qualify them, and, and, and it starts over again the next day. So I don't want to call it Groundhog Day, but it, but it can be that way if you let it get that way. And I guess that's kind of where the questions comes from, that uh, it's the same thing over and over again, and they get kind of get locked in there. Uh, but at the end of the day, Salespeople, um, I like to call them thoroughbreds, the successful ones, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're thoroughbreds. They, they, we, we just want to kind of keep them, uh, on their path of, to, for sales and sales growth. And so some people are just natural born salespeople and you want those in your organization. And then you also need some that, that can be developed into sales leadership positions. And so, um, you know, the, the early goal when you bring somebody in is, is to retain them. You know, we talked earlier that, you know, it takes six months or more before a, a salesperson can be done, can be, become productive for my business. Uh, and so that, that's the first check of the box. And then, uh, once they start to be, uh, a, a good, good salesperson and, and profitable for the business, I guess, then, uh, how do you motivate them to continue to, to grow? And so, you know, we, we, we try and keep things fresh with, con- with contests in the stores and, and, uh, our vendors are, are good about getting in the stores and talking to the salespeople and making sure they're up to date with current product. Our products change, you know, we're in pr- a pretty exciting industry that there's been a lot of innovation over the last six or eight years and we're continuing to see more with you know the OLED technology and TVs and and um, front load washing machines are still new technology coming in there and and uh, new platforms or refrigerators and so those are interesting and fun things uh, for salespeople to learn and, and they crave that kind of stuff um, but uh, salespeople in, in our industry can make a great living. And uh, yeah. uh, we've got salespeople who have remained salespeople for decades, 25, 30 years, um, who just enjoy what they're doing. And I think it's part of that personality uh, model that they just like talking to people. They like people. They're, they're, they've got an outgoing personality. And they, when they meet new people, that's a fresh activity for them. And so um, that that's something we look for. We're trying to hire for personality first because we can teach them how to uh, how to sell the product. Um, and so that's uh-uh. that's an important part of for us. And then just try and keep the environment um, somewhat, you know, change the environment up every once in a while, whether it's some kind of competition or contest or redoing some of the displays on the floor. Um, but that that's that is a challenge. And, and uh We've been we've been pretty successful at it, but at the end of the day, um, it's it's about you know income too. They make a good living doing what they do if they do their job and do it well, and so that's that's incentive. And we try and make it somewhat of an independent 
action so that they, they work very independently in our business. There's not somebody that's cracking a whip over them all day long because we, we built a culture uh, of, uh, that drives them to be successful and continues to drive them on their own instead of a manager having to crawl all over them all day long. So mm-hmm. we've been pretty successful with that, but, um, but you're to right. keep that sustainable. Yeah. Well, I've been successful and I failed at this. So mm-hmm. I want your opinion. I've had very strong salespeople. I think million dollar writers are a unique breed. Mm-hmm. They want to work the hours. They put in seven days in a row sometimes right. if they want that number. But when that person, and they make a lot of money with us, but when that person wants to be management, I have uh, taken them up on that and they weren't a good manager. Right. Their uh, personality test showed me that. And then some people have proved me wrong that I didn't think they would be a good manager. They've been a phenomenal manager. And I hate losing a good employee, a good salesperson, because they wanted to grow. And many times they take a pay cut to be in management. Right. But a younger person that wants to to grow, I've gotten it right and I've gotten it wrong. Yeah, and, and you're exactly right. You, you promote really great salespeople into really bad managers. Yeah. And that, that's common in our industry. And, and so it's that natural progression. You, you think that, that promoting a salesperson into a management role, but it's not always. And, and really, when I talked about these thoroughbreds. You know, we just want to, you know, just, just kind of ride these guys to success in our business. And but I think most of them get that. And so. Um, they, they don't always want to manage other people either. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, so you're right, but it's, it's not always that best salesperson. If you take a look back, who's got better personal skills with, in dealing with, uh, maybe there's a customer who hadn't had the experience that you want them to have. Well, who's more successful in dealing with that? Sometimes that third bread, that high, that high, high producing salesperson, uh, is not always great at that last little detail and needs a little assistance from somebody to help, you know, fix mm-hmm. whatever issue may be out there. Whereas there's some salespeople who don't write that kind of volume that have a little bit more time and a little bit more uh, uh, to think through what the right solution is to take care of whatever issue may be out there. And so, um, yeah, but, but they sometimes stay under the radar. So I think we've got to look throughout mm-hmm. the organization and find those people who have those skills, who have uh, a cleaner book of business, fewer problems in what they do with what they do. And so, um, but that that's the challenge because we tend to focus on those high producers right. instead of focus on maybe some middle line kind of production salespeople that have the skill set to, um, to take care of more issues and maybe can help that salesperson. Like I said, we try and not get out of their way. You got you got to keep them between the rails, but um, you don't want to hold them up. You want to let them keep selling, keep right. selling, keep selling. So just having somebody there to help support them and get them uh, get whatever issue they may have resolved. Maybe it's an issue the delivery department's got with the sales uh, with that customer, or whatever. But but they need some kind of leadership to help them through that kind of stuff frequently. Um, and so we, I'm not sure we have the visibility and that they may fall under the radar. So I think it challenges for us to dig deep and look, look at the organization. It's a great feeling when you find that, that person sure. that is middle of the road right. and help them grow. Yeah. I mean, it's great that we have yeah. the opportunity to do that, but you're right. The, the top writers, we have a mentor program. Right. So when you come to work for us, you go through training, then you have a month with a mentor. Mm-hmm. And we have found that our top writers struggle being mentors. They mm-hmm. just want to sell. Right. It's that middle. That does a really, really right. good job, and that's when I see the, the sure. potential for management. And that's what I, that's what I look for. Yeah. So, yeah, we do not necessarily have a, uh, a formal mentoring program. It's a good idea um, to do that, but we we do a lot of working together. And, and so, you know, the new people that are coming in, you know, we want them shadowing these high producers so they get that, uh, so they understand what that's Six all months. about. You mentioned yeah. before that's our yeah. time frame too. Yeah, yeah. That's a long time yeah. to be on the floor. It is. 
It is. And so we're, we're you know, comfortable for the customer. And we talked about, um, you know, our compensation plans. We're trying to get them more involved in that, too. So they're getting some rewards early in the process mm -hmm. um, that we didn't used to get years ago. Um, but I think that gets them engaged and it creates a hunger in them to learn more. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so everyone wants to be a winner. Yep. You're right. And so little wins here and there, all of a sudden they have an appetite for more. It's what we're trying to put in our business, too, so that they, they you have to acquire a lot of knowledge. I mean, you can't walk on the floor here or my stores either and be productive and successful yep. on day one. And so but if we can build in them a, a few few early successes that they have an appetite to learn more, crave more, uh, um, then, then that's, that breeds success to them earlier than it used to, I think. Mm -hmm. So. So, uh, reaping the benefits of a seasonal worker, I think in many retail, we, we call it the, the selling season around the holidays. We've experienced, especially with our in-home design program, that right. it's not seasonal. Right. There's always someone who needs to redo their room. Right. Um, we don't try and overstaff around those holidays, even with our, our traffic going up. Why would a retailer, a leader, not want to go towards that and what benefits can they reap from that seasonal you yeah. mentioned already yeah so we, we we don't do it either to be honest with you and i think it's the skill set that's required to be really successful in our business that um uh working part-time um you know, there's so much customer follow-up involved in our business. They don't buy the first time they're in there. Sure. It may take a couple of days to get the deal finalized. There may be questions later on. You know, in our process, like yours, we sell it today. We may not deliver for 60, 90, or 180 days. And so there's a lot of communication that goes back and forth. And so when that customer calls the store, uh, we want to be able to talk to that salesperson. And so I think what we'll, we're going to lean towards is, is taking two part-time workers and make it a job share so that somebody's there and, and um, you know, there's so many, Jonathan, there's so many people in the workforce, so many um, that, you know, maybe some stay-at-home moms that the kids have gotten to have an age where they, they want to get back in the workforce, can get back in the workforce, but can't work 40, mm -hmm. 50 hours a week in the retail business. Um, and so weekends and nights and stuff like that. But if there's two of them like that, they can split up these, like I said, 66 hours a week that we're open. All of a sudden, you got two people working, you know, 30, 35 hours a week, and that's doable, and maybe even a few hours less than that. And uh, but they, we're going to have to figure out how they can work directly and, and like yeah. I say, finish each other's sentences and and understand where the pro where they are in the process with the Joneses and where they are in the process with the Smiths, and and make sure that we don't drop the ball in the in the communication process, you know. If we get a home builder, you know, somebody building to renovate a new home and needs their products on this day and, and, and one of them wasn't there when a the customer called in to schedule that date, uh, somebody just took a note, you know, to, intended to hand it to somebody else. Suddenly, the ball gets dropped and appliances aren't there for that delivery. What a disaster that can be. So that communication is just the utmost importance so that if we can figure that out, I think maybe uh, we can get some real high quality work uh, in the workforce, high quality people in the workforce that um uh, just can't work. Like I mm -hmm. said, in the retail business, our people are working 48, 50 hours a week and, and uh, we'll work more, Honestly, like you said. Yeah. Um, and so, um, but that's the challenge for us. We, to be honest with you, don't see month, huge spikes month over month in our business either. You know, we, our stuff is, you know, it breaks down. It's, you can't wait till the holiday sale or whatever. So we got good competitive prices day in and day out. Uh, and, and, and we'll, we'll make sure that you get the right price on it. But so we might see a 10 or 12% variance month over month, mm -hmm. but we don't see like we used to 20 years ago, you see your December business would go crazy. up 30, 40% and you had trouble staffing, but it's gotten a lot more stable over the years. And so, uh, we see 
to be honest with you, we got about six heavy, heavy promotional times. And so all the holidays, President's Day, it's uh, uh, Labor Day, it's, it's July 4th, it's Black Friday, it's after Christmas. So we've got these big promotional periods are kind of spread out. And so we do see more activity in those time frames, but it's in two and three week bursts. But month over month, it's pretty stable. And so we, we don't bring the season employees in because, like I say, it takes six months to train them. Right. And, 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 and part-time employees won't be able to get to the level that we need them to be to <clears> differentiate <throat> our business. Our competitors use part-time employees. Mm-hmm. And so they're order takers. They're not professional salespeople. Um, and so to be honest with you, I think that their consumers are, are underserved because those part-time workers probably aren't going to be able to explain and, and talk about the benefits of some of the better products that we have in our stores, the new technologies that are out there, mm-hmm. the, the efficiencies that this product might have over this one for power consumption, water consumption. And so, um, but our, our long-term, our full-time employees have that ability and can make a better, satisfied, more happy yeah. consumer. Funny you mentioned order taking. Yeah. We, from the people we get from Indeed, mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time saying this is not yeah. order taking. This right. is a true sales position. Right. If you're coming from another furniture company, right. you won't be happy. Mm-hmm. I focus on you being happy because I think right. you're going to be productive. Sure, sure. It's a huge goal of mine. When I started real estate, my first year, I started with Legacy. Okay. Jay Snover, he went to Wake. I know Jay. You know yeah, Jay? Yeah. He was my mentor. Yeah. He got me in the business. He told me to be hard. Yeah. I think I made $5,000 my first year. That way. <laughs> <laughs> and Jay had a parking lot business. Yeah, yeah. And I would pick up beer bottles. I was oh, just gotcha. out of grad school. I got you. Okay. My dad was, yeah. he was like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. So Jay, Jay's the same year awake I was, actually. Jay's a great yeah. guy. Yeah. And Beth, his wife, is an okay. attorney. She went okay. to Wake. Okay. But- I, I quickly learned when I came into this position, I can take someone out of out of college and fifty, sixty thousand mm-hmm. easy, right? On up to a hundred thousand. Right. Some people doing one hundred and fifty thousand, right? Um, and not in a big Charlotte market. Mm-hmm. We have people in smaller markets doing that much, right? So, what you're saying about the seasonal, you won't get to those levels right. being seasonal, right? We uh, we pay on delivery, right? So, yeah. Same it's here. tough to get a quick buck, and, and there's similar similar kind of numbers out there. You know, your, your high producers can can make you know tremendous income out there, yeah. and, and like you said, much more than some managers can make out there. But those managers, uh, it's a different it's a different different way of, of it's a different breed. I mean, like I say, we, we these these high velocity, high production salespeople, uh, they're great. You know, they're they're not ours are not the stereotypical pushy salesperson. They're mm-hmm. they're just good at what they do, and they're real efficient with their time. People buy from you, you know, because they trust you, right? And, and like so, you, you know, it's a process too. Some of these guys, these these, these sales process, it can take an hour, to an hour and a half sometimes, in this full kitchen selection and mm-hmm. things like that. And so, these are not just one and done kind of customers. In our industry, okay. we should really see them every eighteen to twenty four months. Something we have in our store, they're going to buy every eighteen to twenty four months. Mm-hmm. So follow up is <clears> huge. Yeah, we need to have that relationship huge. with them so that you know. One thing that I <laughs> I talk to these when I'm interviewing people, you know, at the end of the day. Jonathan, you probably got a handful of people that you that are your go-to people for different things. Maybe it's a car person, maybe it's insurance, mm-hmm. but then or maybe it's maybe it's a residential real estate person, a commercial real estate person. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's a small universe of those people that you remember and you always go to. And we want to be one of those few people that when when you're sitting around with at the mother's morning out and somebody says, huh, I'm having the worst time with my washing machine and my refrigerator is making this funny noise that somebody in that group stands up and says, hey, I've got somebody at Queen City you need to call. Yeah. His name is Johnny, Bobby, whatever mm-hmm. it is, Sally. 
And uh, so we want to be in that mindset. We want to be on your cell phone on, on a, as a contact so that when something happens, they call that salesperson. And so uh, because, like I said, we should see them every tw- 18 to 24 months. And, and when I'm out and about in the community and, and people recognize me and they say, hell, oh, we, we bought something from your Independence Boulevard store. And they'll mention a name. They, they talk to Rick. Rick's been with me. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's started. He started working when I started working. Yeah. Uh, 18 years old, coming out of high school and uh, came down from Ohio and, and and Rick has got a following that you just can't imagine. And uh, it, it's people call them on the telephone. They don't have to come to the store. They'll call them on the telephone and say, hey, my washing machine's broken. You know, can you get me something out here to, tomorrow and or today even? And, and uh, he'll talk and ask me a few questions. Well, here's the one you we'll need. And, and it's all done over the telephone. And uh, we'll have some kind of big private event sale or something like that. People will be lined up to talk to Rick. They won't talk to Bobby or anybody else over there. They came here to see Rick and they'll be five, six deep at these sales waiting to talk to him because of that relationship he's established out there. And we've got, you know, a good group, not just one or two or three, but, you know, 10, 12, 15 of these kind of people who have that kind of following. And it's because of the way they treat their customers. But uh, they're real efficient with it. They, they, uh, they, they, they get it done in a quick manner. Yet the customers feel like they're getting and and they are getting the attention they deserve and and are are entitled to. Well, tell my salespeople, too, that they don't know what their 30s, 40s, 50s looks like. Mm-hmm. We do uh, 401k matching and yeah. we do profit share. And we've had people who have been with us for a long time who can uh, retire. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that makes you sales. feel good. And, yeah. and I tell you, we, we, we have a similar, we, we, actually, we have a profit sharing plan. We don't do a 401k, but our profit sharing plan is company profits that are put in there. They don't have to put any of their own money in there. But I tell you, one of the things that's happened to us recently uh, is, is that, um, you know, our employees, to be honest with you, there's, there's, um, you know, some of them are college educated, but not a lot of them, but we've got a half a dozen kids that are going to college in families where they're first generation kids going to college. Yeah. And you think about that and you, you, you know, that's that the game changer for, yeah. for life cycles and things like that. If you can send your kids to college, the opportunities that open up for them. And, and I feel like, you know, that, that, that makes you feel good that you, that you're able to, to impact somebody's family like that. And, uh, we're, we're uh, like I say, we're, we're pleased. We just published a newsletter. We do a newsletter every month and talk mm-hmm. about this. And so we listed, and I think it was a half a dozen kids that, uh, that are in school. Some of them were tops in their class and, and, and are going to even graduate school programs, um, um, you know, pre-med kind of students. And, and uh, one is, uh, was the top rated engineering student in North Carolina State last year. And uh, his yeah, dad has worked program. for, yes, dad has worked for us for 28 or, or 30 years. And, uh, uh, that makes you feel good, and uh, hopefully we can continue to grow that, grow that kind of base, and, and we're making a difference in people, in families, not mm-hmm. just people's lives, but their whole families and what their families are able to do. And that's what I liked about this opportunity uh, with the podcast. It's so much bigger than us. Mm-hmm. So we talk about compete against Amazon. Right. That's our day to day. Right. Get up and struggle, sure. but. That's what keeps me going. Right. Well, you know, we, you know, Amazon, it's like I said, we talked earlier, you know, this, this is a, uh, uh, it's a dynamic we all have to deal with. And, and if it's not Amazon, if, if it's not Amazon tomorrow, it'll be somebody else or right. Alibaba or, or whatever America. the heck it is. And, you know, everybody's trying to do online commerce at the end of the day, but independent retailers like ourselves are thriving. Yep. We are thriving. People like us. Um, because we can, we help people make better decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said earlier, you know, the guy, that guy said he taught, asked his customer, how did that mattress feel that you're looking at online? And, and they respond, <laughs> you know, how can you respond to that? Um, but touching and feeling our products just, it's just, you know, 
you can't you can't experience that online and there's so many different options and if you're looking online for product you just see a couple items on your screen you come into my showroom you come into your showroom and there's hundreds of products mm -hmm. uh, to choose from thousands of products to choose from and and somebody there to help you understand what's going to be best for you and you know this 400 hour washer i talked about that i still got today that i had 30 years ago uh may not be the best product for you uh, mm -hmm. they're very popular these days even still today but we've got these machines that are you know 1900 for a washing machine that'll do all kinds of different stuff might be right for you may not be right for you uh, but um, we want to make sure you understand what's available so that you can make the decision of what's best for you sure. uh, because our consumers we want them to, we want them to, to, to be happy and if they've got the right product uh, then they're going to be happy and they're going to come back and see us in that 18 to 24 month window I mentioned earlier. And they're going to come back and see Bobby or Johnny or Sally because mm -hmm. they took care of them. And, and uh, uh, you know, traffic um, year over year has been decreasing and we see some markets that are leveling off. We, we do call a lot. We do follow up a lot. Yeah. Um, we do call people who have come through the doors and given us permission. We're, we're not a cold calling culture. Sure. sure. Um, but then <clears throat> their demands are always changing. Right. How do you handle that within your stores, your leadership, your managers? So we, we to be honest with you, <clears throat> we have been doing a lot of <clears throat> our changing our marketing tactics uh, mm -hmm. a lot. Um, you know, we built our businesses running newspaper ads and inserts and things like that. But we're going more towards a digital platform and online and, and uh, search engine marketing and things like that. Um, and so we're actually seeing our traffic counts are increasing. Um, you know, we mentioned that we've got some retailers that left the marketplace. That's part of where it's coming from. So there's significant <clears throat> market share out there for us to grab. And so, but uh, to your point, um, we've, we've got to constantly challenge the marketplace and really the consumer wants, they want information from us, but they don't want to hear it and see it the way they used to. Um, so uh, our challenge is to make sure that we're we're appearing in the right place for them to accept our, our, our invitation to come to the stores. You know, we want them to go to our website, we want them to see what we're doing out there. But really, uh, our website, we can we can do e-commerce on there, things like that. But at the end of the day, we want to talk to you. Even if you buy something online from us, we're going to call you and say, hey, you know, did you realize this is a purple refrigerator you selected on here? Or this refrigerator is 48 inches wide or whatever. How big we want, how, can you go measure that space for me? We want to make sure it's going to fit before we before we come out there and waste your time, waste our time. And, and uh, so we, we still want to have that dialogue. And, uh, you know, the challenge in my mind is that maybe they come in the store today and they find the right stuff and had a great, great experience in dealing with the salesperson in the store. And then all of a sudden they're home poking around and on the internet, just want to make sure, confirm the sale, confirm the models that they bought. And because of the convenience of online purchasing, can they, do they get away from you? Because they can buy the same stuff. Well, hopefully we will never be above the market price and frequently will be below the market price because we made some kind of huge special buy, some kind of special sale that we've got going. We've got flexibility to be able to price things on our floor different than the big national companies can. They got one price across the country. And so if we make a special buy on something, we can price something $100 below a national, a national company. We're going to do it. And, and we want to move some velocity through that product. And, and so, um, but, you know, it, that's the risk is that, that um, people get, pick it out at our place, go online. It's, they won't get a better price, but it's just maybe it's easier for them or quicker for them or something. But um, hopefully, once again, we're following up. We're talking to these people. We've got given them experience that they're, that they feel somewhat of a, of a, of a, an obligation is the wrong word, but a, but a, a, a need to support a local business, mm -hmm. not pay a higher price, but support a local business, feed a local family, 
and uh, not just one salesperson operations. So it's really each sale impacts, you know, half a dozen people probably. Yeah. And so when you think about that kind of stuff, we hope that uh, we're creating that kind of experience that in the store that gets a commitment from that customer that, that uh, we, we, we desire the business. We, we, uh, we want to earn the business too, but, but uh, it's important to us. Every, every customer is important to us. Every deal is important to us. And we want to make sure that we earn the business and fight for it and, and, and do the right thing. But, um, well, you can tell, I mean, even when you talk about it, your passion for right, the customer. Right. And I'm on this really journey to have people come to our stores because I believe in your experience. And mm-hmm. if we did anything to mess it up, call me, yeah, call us. Right, right. I guarantee you won't right, mess it up twice. Right. Uh, but I want customers to come in and experience what we have, mm-hmm. how we can really go to your house and make it perfect. Right. And what I see, what I want our traffic to level off or increase, I just want everyone in our company to understand, get them back in the store. Right. I quickly learned a couple of years ago, I was studying our competition, which was just retail furniture companies. And then this past year, you see the reports on retail market strong, economy strong, growth, 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 growth. And everything is our competition. Right. I think everyone would like to have a new sofa. Right. But they also want to go to Disney that week. Right. Right. So I want to get to them before. Yeah. And have that experience before they get to that yeah. So level. I, th- yeah, I think um, the challenges that, that we're both going to face is uh, I wonder um, the younger generation, the, the millennials or whatever, um, <clears throat> there's all kinds of stereotypical stuff about them out there. But I think one thing that we, we really do see about them is that they're more concerned about experiences mm-hmm. than uh, than investing in homes and, 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 and assets and goods, you know. Um, so I think... Uh, I'd be interested to see what happens to the residential construction business over the next decade, next 20 years. Um, but I think that's uh, apartments. What's that? They definitely invested in apartments. They do. They want to be downtown. They want to be close to uptown, excuse me, uptown. <laughs> and uh, like we talked earlier, but, uh, but, but, you know, they, they don't want to be in the suburbs, which is where the big expensive houses are in the suburbs. And so what happens to the real estate market out there? And, and so I think that we're going to be selling, uh, we're going to be selling, uh, I think high quality appliances in smaller homes that are not starter homes, right. but that are, that are well built. You know, if you want to buy a starter home for $110 a square foot, uh, you can find those out there. But I think these younger people are going to want to pay, want want that same quality of that house in the suburbs, but in towards town mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and want that quality. Um, so, and which means that instead of the big 48 inch ranges and the big refrigerators that we've been, that we sell a lot of, um, there'll be smaller appliances, but still of that same quality mm-hmm. uh, in smaller spaces. And so instead of a 5,000 square foot house in Ballantyne, it's an 1,800 square foot, more of a cluster type feel mm-hmm. in Sedgefield or in, in uh, Dilworth or something like that, in some, which are great communities. And it's just, just interesting to see what happens, because I think that'll change the dynamic of your of, of the furniture business, too, that um, they may, it just might be, it's just going to be different, I think. And so we're watching that. Um, they still need our stuff. They still need furniture, but is it, small, is it fewer rooms? Mm-hmm. So is there, there's, there's not a living room and a den. Uh, so it's a great room like we went, like we had in the 80s. You had great rooms instead of combine the living rooms and the den in a lot of the houses back then or condos and things. But uh but I'm interested to see what happens with these young people and, and what their purchasing habits are. Uh, I think, uh, like you say, as a business owner, business leader, you got to understand your market, your individual market, not the national market, but right. what's going on in Charlotte, North Carolina is what I'm concerned about in the surrounding area so that we have the right products on our floors. 
you know, uh, worst thing in the world would be to have the wrong stuff out there. So when consumers come in, well, that's not what people are buying. Yeah. You know, if you got it's ugly, if you got ugly furniture out in the showroom here, then people come in, take a quick look, and they're out the door before you can, you can you can catch them. <clears throat> so making sure that you have the right product for this for the consumer because they're always changing. And so whatever you've got today, there's another generation, the millennials, I think that that age gap is closed. So there's another group coming behind now. Mm -hmm. Probably well, nobody knows what they're doing. Or like maybe, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm avoiding them. <laughs> but, you know, what do they look like? And, and uh, you know, that's something for maybe my kids to deal with, what that next generation looks like as they start to come into business. But uh, but, but it's something you got to stay market focused because it's all about knowing, understanding your market. You know, we talked about H.H. Gregg and their failure. Yeah. Markets are different. Indianapolis is different than Charlotte. It's different than Atlanta. It's different than Miami, Florida, and and, uh, um, and different than Chicago. And so it, it, you've got to be able to change your strategies, change your market, and change your business strategy based on the consumers changing. They have a lot of information you today. Yeah, they have a lot more information today than they had ten years ago, and it's in their hand. It's on their phone. Mm -hmm. They can pull it up right then and there. Whereas, you know, our salespeople have become more consultative, I guess, because the consumers know a lot, but they really still may not know what they really need. Mm -hmm. They've been presented in some fashion. Uh, and part of digital marketing is throwing stuff in front of people that they may or may not want to see. And, and maybe some of it's accurate. Maybe some of it's not quite what they what they want to see. But uh, when they come into our stores, they're going to get answers. And, and uh, we're going to ask a lot of questions, right. you know, and, and uh, we're not going to assume anything. We're going to ask questions and, and then we're going to hopefully help them narrow down their options on what will best fit their needs, what will be the best product for they them. They come in our doors for a reason. Right. They have the need. Yeah, right. And it separates the best salespeople to sure. find that need. Right. And we have it. Good. Yep, everyone. Well, thanks again for tuning in. Yeah. Again, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. We'll be right back. Yeah.